aka Patters. We are here. Welcome to my podcast. This is where we get into the nitty gritty with movies, okay? Now, this isn't your typical movie discussion, review, critic type podcast because I, I spent my life, I spent my life listening to other critics. And eventually, when social media became relevant, it washed away critical film thinking because everything became a uh, like a, a byline, a tagline, clickbait, all that nice stuff, okay? Film criticism went away. Right here, right now, episode 365, and thank you for joining me. We Can Be Heroes, directed and written and produced by Robert Rodriguez. Now, there's also a racer Rodriguez in the credits. We all know who that is. We don't care. We only care about Robert Rodriguez. So join me because we're talking everything Netflix. We're talking Netflix superheroes. This is our two of three back-to-back-to-back Netflix superhero flicks. We're right smack in the middle. We're talking all of these things for episode 365 of AKA Pads Audio Audacity. What a nice, bright, sunny Philadelphia day. Thank you for joining me. It's Tuesday. It's mid-afternoon. I literally, literally, all morning, I've been slaving over uh, another giant splash page for Trial by Fire on Indiegogo right now. This is my comic. This is 24 plus years in the making. Uh, I'm adding so much about the process, uh, everything about this comic book to my website, akapad.com. If if you want to support me and you don't want to spend money, okay, I get that. You can go to akapad.com, sign up for my free newsletter. The, the newsletter, what once it starts rolling out, is going to bring you into all my other like projects, ideas, methodologies. Uh, there's going to be opportunities there for you. And there's also going to be like print media um, deals, sample, like all that stuff, okay? Sign up. You get a free trading card. I just need your address, and we're ready to rock and roll. So let's get into this. Now, <laughs> this this movie I completely love. I completely love. It hurts me that there's not like a cry to make a immediate follow-up and to maybe even expand this universe into the printed form. Now, Hollywood for a very, very long time has been trying to one-up the comic book source material by creating superheroes of their own. Now, this goes back to Darkman, Sam Raimi. This goes back to Black Scorpion, uh, a Fox TV show. I'm pretty sure it was a Fox TV show. Yeah, Af- African-American superhero, amazing freaking show. I-, I believe the guy was crippled in that too, but he's like a Tony Stark. He's amazing, okay? Love that show. Uh, I think, uh, no, Black Mantis, Black Scorpion, right? Is, <laughs> no, it's Mantis, then there's Black Scorpion, the Roger Corman uh, syndicated superhero. And then we have movies like Jumper. We have movies like Push. Uh, we have, in this vein, we have almost like the family superhero front. Watch, you know, We Can Be Heroes. There's Zoom 
with Tim Allen, which is amazing. And then there's there's the one with Kirk Russell. I think Superhero High. Now, Superhero High, Zoom, and We Can Be Heroes work together as a amazing fun trilogy. I mean, a trilogy of movies to watch. They're 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 not connected. So Hollywood's like wants to do superheroes. They want their own superheroes. And when I say Hollywood, I just mean filmmakers. But they don't want to go through the process <laughs> of like making the comic, having the comics uh, sit relatively in, in culture, people's minds, bookshelves, comic book shops, and bookstores for 60 plus years. Like, you know, meaning like characters like Captain America take a long time to soak and gestate and to grow. You know, and, uh, you know, sometimes unsuccessfully. I will say, when it comes to that level of success, something like the X-Men has been nothing but success. Uh, I would say even, at one time I wouldn't even make this argument, but Fantastic Four, like, endless success. It's hard to say the same for Captain America and Superman. It really is. Not endless success when it comes to month-to-month-to-month storytelling. So what what what's the DNA of this movie? What makes this movie so great? Well, how about this? It's not serious. It's a kid's movie you can watch. It's a affirmation on teamwork and how children can have teamwork and parents cannot. Grown-ups cannot. Grown-ups are the unstructured swines of this world. If we can just listen to one another, if we can be more patient with one another, we can be heroes answers that question. It tells you what can happen. When we bicker and when we argue with one another, the aliens take over the world, which is <laughs> the beginning of this movie. Now, we have like fun powers. We have, uh, you know, like somewhat, um, you know, like a, a cloak and dagger because, you know, there's an alien in, in the mist type thing. And then we have parents discovering their children and children rediscovering their parents. Now, along the way, we have all these cool powers. Like, the, there's a stretchy kid. Uh, great sequence, too, with, like, a uh, a flying train. They they, they uh, whip a train, like, miles into the air. Uh, they're able to, to fly and keep afloat because one girl, through singing, can, like, uh, guide the ship. So it's really cool stuff. It's just the, the ridiculous side and the fun side of powers. Now... I kind of said when Grant, I'm going to go in a little bit of a tangent here. When when someone like Grant Morrison, post X Men movies, uh, comes to take, he takes over X Men. They call it New X Men. He uh, black leather comes in. The the color costumes go out, and he kind of introduces this like idea that you know like anything is 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 a mutant. Uh, we call it a mutant. Uh, here's a guy with a bird head. Like, you know, like a chicken head guy. That took away the cool factor when it comes to what the X-Men were. And in all, like mutants and superpowers. We can be heroes, like, almost like dials it back. You know, like, it, it gets to the point that it's not taking itself seriously. It's not taking itself literal. Grant Morrison with that chicken head guy that he put into New X-Men takes it too seriously. You take the idea too far. This is where any superhero idea breaks. People, like, they either 
don't go far enough or they don't go far at all. And they're in like this weird like nether realm, this 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 membrane, this middle zone that is quite boring. It's not very interesting. Now, on the surface, there's not much interesting where we can be heroes, but that's not its intent. The intent is to go from scene to scene, actor to actor, plot point to plot point, and to bring you along. And then along the way, we have a collection of awesome adult superheroes. We have a great villain who is sexy AF. And then we have these kids, which, like, you know, again, one of these kids is supposed to have powers. She doesn't have powers. Uh, we know she's going to get the powers. We know she's going to help save the day. And it's all of these things we see a mile coming, but it's fun. Here we go, people. F-U-N. I'm sorry. Not a lot of uh, these superhero movies can, can be fun anymore, I guess. This movie swings for the fences and hits it over the park. Now, we do kind of have to mention, okay, and go into, uh, let me see if, what are we doing here? I, <laughs> here we go. My uh, computer, my mouse was uh, not, uh, I couldn't see my mouse cursor. So, look, we got to go into the career of Robert Rodriguez real quick. Because, to me, here's odd argument. He potentially is the real Quentin Tarantino. And the Quentin Tarantino we saw and we fall in love with was just, you know, potentially different, potentially an uh, imposter. Because we, we kind of have to be honest when it comes to Quentin Tarantino. We want the Quentin Tarantino from Pulp Fiction and Reservoir Dogs. I just watched Reservoir Dogs recently, um, a couple of days ago. Because I you know, watched that movie maybe once a year. I don't know if that's even true. <laughs> I watch it. Yeah, I try and watch it a lot. So Quentin Tarantino comes on the scene. He, he gets this attention of this independent guy. That came from a movie shop. Like the Kevin Smith thing. And we know like. You know we kind of know. It's just silly and BS. Now that doesn't mean. Parts of it aren't true. But it's just silly and BS. And then. You hear about Robert Rodriguez. And the two of them in 95. They did this movie. That was like a Miramax showcase. Of the next generation. It was called Four Rooms. Uh, star Stars Tim Roth. As the bellboy bell bellhop. This is an amazing movie. It really is. Okay. During that time, he kind of put out this book. It was called like uh, Shooting uh, from the Hip, I think. Uh, a Rebel's Diary to Guerrilla Filmmaking. And he tells this story that is so much better than anything <laughs> coming from the realm of Tarantino. Tarantino is kind of like, yeah, I may have had a weird mom. You know, like, my mom may have, have been shit. Maybe. But I know she loved me. And and I'm just paraphrasing here. I could be wrong. But, like, so that's a little of the Tarantino lore, is the relationship with him and his mother. Robert Rodriguez literally uh, puts himself through experiments to get money to make the, nine, the 92 masterpiece, El Mariachi. Like, El Mariachi versus... Reservoir Dogs, it's neck and neck. It's Brady and Peyton Manning. It's Dame Marino and Joe Montana. It, it's it's right there, okay? Carl Malone, Michael Jordan. I can keep going. 
it's, it's so he does he remakes that movie three years later and you really have to read this book the the shooting from the hip i also <laughs> i should have done a little bit uh rebel without a crew uh, i just remembered it uh, he rebel without a crew that's the name of his book read that book but during this book, too, he talks about, like, Barfly. That's how I learned about that movie. That movie made me learn about Charles Bukowski. I became a Bukowski guy after that. But he remakes the same movie. He make, he remakes El Mariachi, makes Desperado. James Cameron did the same exact thing with Terminator and Terminator 2. A lot of these guys remake their own movie once they get the resources, and they kind of spin it. They kind of spin it into a sequel. And then he becomes the the Miramax guy. So him and Tarantino collaborate in 96 from Dust Till Dawn. There's a documentary on that. It might be called like Full Tilt Boogie. You got to watch that documentary. From Dust Till Dawn right now is a legit film franchise. Okay, it's like it's 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 almost like its own shared universe. I think it's got four movies and a TV show. And then he does his company movie, uh, written by what well, Kevin Williamson from Screen. So it's 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 a good script, hot screenwriter, called The Faculty, character designed by Bernie Wrightson, legend. For some reason, The Faculty and what also got drugged down by The Faculty, Phantoms. No one wanted to deal with both of those movies. Are great. Both of them are commendable. And then he goes off, <laughs> like, you don't know what, what he's doing. But he makes Spy Kids for the next, like, three years, 2001 to 2003. He makes Spy Kids, Spy Kids 2, and Spy Kids, uh, like, 3D. And then he makes the final installment of El Mariachi, Once Upon a Time in Mexico, which I ran to to see that in the theater, ran to the theater. I just remember hating it. Because it get like a blind Johnny Depp. I may have seen that movie one time. It's due for a, a follow-up. Trust me. And then in 2005, he comes back and shows us who he is. He makes Sin City. The true green screen masterpiece. People want to go to a Sky Captain World of Tomorrow. I may have seen that movie one time. It's a good, fun movie. And it's got Jude Law. And it's got uh, Angelina Jolie. Uh, the guy that made it, I'm not sure if he's if he did anything after that. So, yeah, I would say those are your top. Uh, Sin City, Sky Captain, and 300 are your top three green screen movies ever made. Then he goes back into this, this well, like movies for his children. He makes The Adventures of Shark Boy and Lava Girl. Now, I had a girlfriend at the time when this movie came out. And my girlfriend's kid absolutely loved the movie. It might have been the first movie that her and I saw together. Like, I took her to, and we went to McDonald's. We got the uh, Happy Meal toys. Fantastic day. And he collaborates with Tarantino and Miramax and Weinstein again. Playing the Terror, Grindhouse. What I absolutely, his installment for Playing the Terror or the Grindhouse, which was playing the terror. Quentin Tarantino did the the um the car one. I'm forgetting the the name of the uh, Death Proof. Death Proof <laughs> confused and disappointed nearly everyone. 
Plane of Terror is really what people wanted from Quentin Tarantino when it comes to Grindhouse. Grindhouse was two full-length movies as one giant movie with all of these amazing trailers throughout, okay? Because, like, the, it was to simulate the experience of watching these movies all day in the theater. It's an amazing project. It's an amazing thing to get in, in the theaters. The girlfriend's kid that I took to see Shark Boy, <laughs> we broke up, like, kind of like right when playing it, um, right when Grindhouse came out in 2007. And it was a really weird time in my life. But I might have seen Grindhouse three times in the theater. And I still absolutely loved the, uh, the Rob Zombie uh, trailer in that. And I loved the Eli Roth Thanksgiving trailer in that. So, you know, during this too, Robert Rodriguez puts his own trailer in Grindhouse called Machete. Machete kind of gets traction in 2010, three years later. Well, you, you got to consider, like, you know, you got to make the movie. So, you know, there's a year in that. So, you know, in relatively short time, he makes Machete. And then he comes out. Uh, Machete's a hit. Then he does a fourth Spy Kids movie. <laughs> Which, like, I think Stallone's the villain in that. I may have seen that one time. I don't, like, the Spy Kids universe... For it to be relevant and to look back for it to be something needs to continue. So, like, even today, there should always be, like, a Spy Kids Digest book. Um, you know, like, an animated series. There, it needs to be out there. It needs to be constantly published. Let it be a, a money and a resource drain. Because he made this capital investment to put Spy Kids in the minds of a lot of people. He's not really accessing it, and hes I know he's a guy of means to do it. So 2013, two years after that, he does Machete Kills. Uh, I believe that was Lady Gaga's first like big screen movie. She's in that awesome Machete Kills. It's great. They tease ma Machete in space, which you know, I, I'm still waiting for. And then here we go, 2014. <laughs> Okay, it's it's like nine years too late. Eight, nine years too late. He does Sin City a Dame to Kill For, which perfectly fits within the original Sin City. I mean, I don't know why there's not like a, he doesn't put out like a super cut of that movie. Because that's really what it, what's designed. Now, one was made by Miramax, Disney pretty much, and one was made by the Weinstein Company. Probably never happened, right? The different companies put out that movie different companies own like the uh, rights to it but 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 people do lowball a dame to kill for it perfectly works within the realm of sin city it, it, it can be edited into that movie to me it's seamless to me i love them both i think that i say the same for 300 and 300 fall of the empire those two movies work perfectly. Whatever reason, no one was having Sin City. And then in 2019, we have a movie that gets caught up in the SJW Twitter madness. Because for some reason, it becomes a... You know, I have an episode on this. It becomes the poster child of... You know, this is, the, like, this is what we want. And it was a pushback against Captain Marvel... That a huge segment 
of the populace, like the film-going populace, I'll say. The the Marvel Cinematic, the MCUers, we'll call them, the MCUers, they wanted something else. They didn't want Captain Marvel. They felt Captain Marvel was being wedged for identity politic reasons. This is important just to understand, okay? I'm not making any baseline statement, I'm, okay? I'm just explaining to you why why people fell a certain way what were the position and it is important to the how the film was received and even now so alita battle angel the the movie he collaborates with james cameron for the property james cameron was i would say 15 maybe even 20 years held close to his heart tried to like he worked on this movie for 20 something years Rodriguez comes in, simplifies the script, uh, like I think he shortens it, adds a whole new element, and then they roll in. I believe it was Weta. It might have been Weta or Lightstorm. I'm not sure if James Cameron's Lightstorm Entertainment still around. But, you know, like the special effects are mind-blowing. And Alita Battle Angel became this idea of this is what we want. We don't want Captain Marvel. We want this. Okay, we we want something uh, of substantive, like substantial female character that can stand on her own that we're not getting wedged down our throats. Elite the Battle Angel to this day is growing as a cult movie. It's growing attention, it's gaining attention. People are crying, they're howling at the moon for a follow up for a sequel. A lot of it, though, is to prove that they're right. <laughs> <laughs> which is like maybe the wrong reasons but it's got one of my favorite endings i think it's one of the, the the best like cyberpunk movies that will ever be made i think it's the best anime uh manga interpretations onto live action until we get the akira movie we have to be honest but battle angel if you you can watch blade runner battle angel and ghost in the shell back to back to back and you have an effing great time your eyeballs are going to do a lot of action and then in 2020 we have we can be heroes watch 55 million something uh household views a huge impact on netflix or developing a sequel and it's well deserved but i I just felt like i you know like it helps you to when you understand a little bit more about the filmmaker it does help you um see the movie in a uh in a different way and i'll do this rain on me lady gaga ariana grande he did direct their video so shout out there so look everyone go watch this movie to uh, next episode episode 366 we have thunder force and here we go stop me if you heard this everyone hates thunder force so there we go. We got to talk about it. 366. Now, along this this whole thing, we got Godzilla, Kong Godzilla, and we have Mortal Kombat 2021. Trust me, people, when we're done with this Netflix stuff, we're getting into both of those, and we will be getting into Zack Snyder Justice League. Okay, everyone, thanks for hanging out. I love you. Try by fire. Indiegogo. Sign up for a free trading card. Get the newsletter at akapad.com. Let's do it.